Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. One more week, and we will finish this up, and you guys can be praying for next week as we close this out, because we are going to look at probably, for me, it's one of the most challenging scriptures in the Bible. And matter of fact, uh, Brian and I were talking about it. It's one of those areas of the Bible where I was like, no, I'm not going to preach on that this week. (laughs) You know, you just keep, you keep going past it, and and you're like, no, I got to, it's in here. You got to preach it. You know, what is God trying to get at? And so, uh, that's all I'm going to say, all right? <laughs> and, then, and then you can find out, but we're going to bring it to a close next week. Uh, every, I, I know that uh, many of us, or if not every single one of us, find ourselves in a, a place in life where we wish we had more direction. We wish we had someone or something, a manual or something that would just say, would you just go this way? Would you come this way, that way? Don't go that way. Something that would help us discern what the next step is and as we've looked at the different names for God as we realize we use the name God we do as kind of an overall arching of the almighty wonderful creator and father God of course and all but as we've studied the scripture closer and in the old testament we are finding out that uh, indeed he has many names he's the same God but because he is God there is no one name that can adequately cover all of who he is and matter of fact all of the names that we know and that we're learning still don't cover everything that he is but it is a diamond we do get to see enough facets and and different characteristics and personality of this wonderful God that loves us and created all we get to see different facets that will probably say to us at some point that is the part that is the characteristic of God that I need right now in my life and I think that in the old testament especially that's what we see at different times in Israel's life. They called on God, a certain name that was given to them by God to say, hey, I'm with you because this is what you need right now. When we were worshiping a while ago, I was reminded of a story my dad told me. My dad's a World War II vet, and now he's just telling me every time I'm with him, I'm just getting, I'm, I'm writing it all down, I'm recording it, all of it. And uh, he was telling me about this time where, he dropped, he, he called them scouts, and uh, he dropped some scouts off on an island in the South Pacific in, in the middle of the night. And he said, you, we turned our engines off, and we just let it drift in with the, uh, with the tide. And we were supposed to wait till the tide changed so they couldn't hear the engines, and then we'd drift right back out. And he says, sure enough, I don't know how they do that. He says, he's 93. I don't know how they know those tides like that, you know. And they go in and out, and, and he says, sure enough, drifted right back out again. And he says, so when we drifted out and got far enough away, they turned the engines on and we headed back toward the ship, which was not there. It just wasn't there. And he's like, okay, they're not here, so we'll wait. And uh, they waited, and one of the guys that went into the service with him was from here as well, a good friend. They could go in together then, and they got on the same ship. And he was the uh, mechanic down below with the engine, and he comes up to dad and starts fussing. He goes, you don't know where you are. You're as lost as a bat. And my dad looked at him and said, I know exactly where we are. The South Pacific Ocean. 
Now get back down below and make sure we got enough fuel, you know, to, to skirt around for a couple of days. <laughs> and, of course, they did find him eventually. Actually, another ship found him. But, uh, you know, sometimes we just want to get some direction. It feels like the expanse is so huge and we can't find our way. We could go multiple directions, but which way do we go? Well, in the Old Testament... There's a wonderful character, personality, David, who was, we've talked about many times here. He was a king, a worship leader, a shepherd, a warrior. Uh, he was, and he was very much human. He, he was not, you know, superhuman. He was very much frail and very much flesh and blood, but yet God used him tremendously. Well, he's at some point in his life when we join him today in this very well-known psalm, the 23rd psalm. And uh, I'm thinking that maybe David wrote this while he's hiding out from Saul. The, the king that he served and that he loved uh, got really messed up and the devil messed him up and, and he tried to kill David. But David would never lift a hand against Saul. Matter of fact, he ran from him. He did everything he could not to lift his hands against the king and he never did. And so he, I think that maybe this was written during that period of time while he's hiding out and he's wondering, God, are you going to give me some direction? What do I do? Do I just keep doing this? So some of you know it by heart. I'm going to, we're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to say it together. This is from the NIV. And so uh, if you've got it memorized, I have to read it because I memorized it in the King James Version all those years ago or it'll mess me up. So, uh, but I'm going to read it this way. You ready? Here we go. Hey, let's stand in honor to the Word of God this morning. Why don't we do that? Because this is... Many of us need this this morning. We need the shepherd this morning. Here we go. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, bless your word today. Bring it alive to us. Make it a very real help in our lives as we look to you, our shepherd, in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Well, the word is Rohi, Jehovah Rohi, that is God the shepherd, the good shepherd. And uh, in John 10, 14, Jesus said this about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now, you know, Sheep, shepherds, for some of us, most of us, 99.99, if not 100% of us, we can't really relate unless we see some movie somewhere of a shepherd. And, and, all, and a lot of times I know that if you're new to this, uh, this thing of following Christ or, or getting up to speed or going back to church again or whatever, and you see all these archaic uh, metaphors and, and uh, similes and, and examples, you think, gosh, why can't we just talk in normal language? But I want you to understand that God spoke into a cultural context when he did, when he had a plan from the beginning. And so his plan was to use Israel so that Jesus would finally come on the scene. And through Israel, 
that is where we see all the journeying. And it's a picture. It's actually a metaphor. The whole journey of our lives in a way. Our lives and through sin and through the desert of our life without God. How he intervenes and tries to get us into the promised land. To the mountain of God. Where we can finally be reestablished with him. In the, in the relationship that he always wanted for us. And so the Old Testament is a picture. But it actually happened. And it happened in context. I used to have a, a guy in the church. He was, a, he was a, love, a lovely older man. And I tell so many surfing stories. One day after church he came up to me and he says. Tim if you tell one more surfing story. I'm leaving this church. And, you know, and it was because it was a context. that was hard for him to understand. And, and I get that, you know, our context, we laugh and we get it, but when it's someone else's context, it, it takes a little more work. And so that's what we do on Sundays and we do in our small groups is we try to do the work to unpack this so we can see what God is trying to tell us. And so a shepherd is one of the words that David felt that God said, that's who I am to you. And, uh, and so we're going to unpack that this morning and so let's remember that do a little bit of extra work and and find out what the shepherd meant and so that's that's my desire this morning what the word shepherd meant to David and why would he describe God as a shepherd at this time in his life now the problem is in Isaiah 53 6 uh, the Old Testament describes us as like it says we all like sheep we all like sheep have gone astray and so there is a shepherd for the sheep. But the thing is, a sheep can't really take advantage of the shepherd till it realizes it's a sheep. <laughs> you know, the shepherd doesn't corral the, you know, doesn't uh, lead the dogs, the wolves, doesn't do any of that. The shepherd cares for the sheep. And so maybe this morning, some of you are going to realize that you are a sheep. But the beauty of that is that you have a shepherd. You have a shepherd who wants to lead, who wants to be in your life, and who wants to help you, as David is going to show us this morning. So one thing to point out early on in this uh, passage is, did you notice how personal this is? Um, It's mine. He is mine. My shepherd. It's just over. And I just went through and circled and underlined every one of those. And this was very personal to David. It's almost like you could see him sitting on a rock somewhere, being in a situation where he needs direction and he's looking back over his life as a shepherd and he's remembering what, how he took care of his sheep and he's looking at his own life right now and he goes, this is what I need. I need a shepherd. This is very personal, very personal to him. And that's one of the reasons we take such comfort in this psalm when someone dies or we go through a tough time. You hear this psalm read, very appropriate to read this psalm at a funeral because we want the shepherd with us to be with us at that time as we walk through these valleys as we're going to see. And so I could just see David, very personal, pouring his heart out as he wrote this psalm. So you have a fill-in. Uh, in the, if you just flip your handout over. And your first fill-in is we look at Jehovah-Rohi. That is Jehovah, that's God, as we say, the all-existing one. Uh, shepherd, Rohi is for shepherd. And let's take this apart in three pieces. The first feeling is this. Jehovah Rohi, when depleted. When I am worn out. When I don't know if I have enough strength to take another step in the right direction. Jehovah Rohi, when I am depleted. When I don't know what to do. It is an amazing thing to realize that God wants you to rest. And that's a little more difficult for some of us 
than others. But do you know God longs for you to find rest? Let's read this scripture, the one through three passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. How beautiful. God wants us to find rest. And over in John 4, remember the woman at the well? The middle of the day, one of my favorite stories because she shows up when the, the rest of the women would not be there. Shows up, he begins talking to her, and he finds out what? She's been married five times, and she's living with her sixth man. Now, there's somebody that needs some rest. <laughs> I mean, there's somebody that needs to find a place just to rest because it looks like such a struggle to relate properly right to find some health in their relationship and Jesus kindly sits down with her and asks her for a drink of water which just broke every you know every law around and and etiquette around and I don't know if he ever even got the water because the conversation got so wonderful it whetted her appetite and, and her thirst and she began to ask questions and he said if you drank the water that I offered you you'll never thirst again in other words you're going to get rest And you're not going to struggle the way you used to. You're going to find rest. And that touched her. And it's a difficult thing for some of us to realize God wants you to find rest. If we did a survey this morning and and I would ask you, are you in a place where you are just frazzled? That you're so nervous about life. That you're empty and you're afraid your next step is going to be a big mistake. So you take no steps. Or you're taking so many steps, you just get totally disoriented and you're worn out. And you're like, I've done everything I know to do. Well, God wants you to have rest. That's the way I see David here. David's running from Saul. He's trying. And he just finally finds a place where there's some repose. And he's able to sit back for a moment. And and he realizes that God is leading him into a place of comfort and rest. And that's my prayer for you this morning. That the shepherd, the good shepherd, is here to lead us to quiet waters, to a place of rest. Uh, when he says, I, I have no lack, um, or I lack nothing, that's a pretty profound statement, isn't it? I lack nothing. Can anybody ever say that in America? <laughs> I lack nothing. I lack, but, but think about this. If you are worn out and tired, what do you want? You want rest, right? Ever remember a time when you were working so hard you really had to put in double shifts or you're working, you know, so long that your body, your mental capacity is pressed and pressed and pressed and you are just working yourself out. I remember I worked one time for 48 hours when I first got out of college for a utility company. We're pulling wells. I don't know if you know what that means, but big pipes out of the ground. We're pulling them. We're switching them. This is a lot of labor, and I had a crew of about 30 people. We were going from one well to the next well to the next well. We had to get it done because all these subdivisions were going to be without water, and we had to get it done. So for 48 hours straight, our crews just worked and worked and worked. And I tell you, when I got home, I lacked nothing because all I wanted was water and a couch. That was it. You get it? When you are tired, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. You're worn out. We think we need more than we do. But we don't. We may want more than we have. But when it comes to rest and finding 
a place where we're so depleted and we just need to get renourished. We don't need as much as you think. We need those quiet places. We need our thirst quenched and we need to rest. And that is some good news to many of us, that God has rest for us. Um, He makes me to lie down. You know, he makes me to lie down. Do you get that? He makes me to lie down. That is like you can go only so far before your body or your mental or emotional capacity will make you lie down. You get it? Sometimes we fight that and we think, oh, what's wrong? You know, and it's God going, you are going to rest. You know, you have pushed it way too far and you are going to rest. We were at a retreat and this pastor of a huge church told us that one, he was doing like eight services on the weekend and playing in the worship band. And, uh, you know, he was not young like some here. And um, he said one morning he got to get up out of bed. To, to, and he was anticipating it, and his legs would not move. He said he went to throw his leg over the bed, and his body would not move. He said his body just shut down on him, said, I'm not doing this anymore. And they had to get him, pump him full of vitamins and all kind of stuff. And, you know, he says, I didn't want to rest. I thought the rest was in the doing. You know, I thought the more I could do, the more rested, the better I would feel about myself. But actually, God was trying to lead me to a place. And finally, he made me lie down in green pastures in a place of comfort where he could rest. God longs for you to rest. That's the good shepherd. God is not here to wear you out. He's here to make this a a joyful journey, even though it's difficult at times. It's here to be a joyful journey with God. And you need rest to have joy, don't you? Quiet waters. Did you know sheep won't, won't drink out of running water? It has to be still. Sheep, like some of us, you know, can get a little confused and the water's running by and you get a drink and next thing you know, you're woo, 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 you know. You, you know, and then all that wool, you know, and here you go under the water, you know. And so a shepherd, you know, a shepherd knows that. So a shepherd comes in and after the rains dams up the wadi where the water's coming through and makes a still spot so that the sheep can come along and get a drink of water, you know, so you can rest. Stillness, quietness. Find a place to rest. There's nothing more beautiful. Some of you need to get off the hook this morning. You think there's a sin in resting. The most godly thing you might be able to do this afternoon is take an hour nap. Do I need to give you permission? I mean, I'm just a pastor, but if I need to, you have permission today. Some of you said, I don't need a permission for that. You know, but you need it. Take it. Don't feel guilty about it. Rest. He refreshes my my soul. And all of that is psychologically, physically, spiritually, that as we rest, as we take some time off, we get rejuvenated after we've been depleted. You know, you can only run at a deficit for so long. We did a, a memorial service for an old surfer buddy of mine years ago, and one of, the, one of the guys stood up and said, he was always living life in a deficit. I thought, wow, what a sad commentary. Running at, on the empty all the time, no headroom. You know what I'm saying? Like a speaker's got rooms, you know, like in the, it has spikes. It goes up into the red zone every now and then, but it's not meant to live up in the red zone. You'll blow the speakers out. And you will blow your speakers out. If you live in the red zone too much, got to come down. Got to have headroom in life. Rest refreshes my soul. 
right paths for his namesake. He's going to guide you in the right paths for his namesake. You see, there's more in this life for you as a follower of Christ than just what you want to get done. There is God's reputation involved in this. And that's why the shepherd wants to lead you is because his reputation is tied to your life. And he wants you to get rest. He wants you to be rested to do what he's called you to do, not to wear out so that he leads you in those paths of righteousness for whose name's sake? His name's sake. So that people, and I know this is a heavy thing, but, but because of the rest of God that we can experience, it's a joy. But so that when people look at us and they look at our life and they look at, at the way we do life, God's reputation is tied to that in some way and he gets glory. And so we can't do that frazzled and tired and worn out all the time. And so God says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll lead you to a place where you can rest, where you can refresh and you can rejuvenate and empower, get empowered again. Uh, and studying for this, uh, I read the quote of a, another pastor gave me a book on shepherding years ago. And there was a shepherd that he interviewed named Abu Jamal. And he said this, his sons, he offered his flocks to his sons. And his sons, this sounds typical, his sons just made fun of the sheep. You know, they'd like, shepherd, who wants to be a shepherd these days? That kind of thing. And so uh, Jamal said to the author of this book, he said, I'll sell my flocks to someone else before I let my sheep go to those who don't care for them. And he was talking about his own sons. That's a good shepherd. I'm going to take care of my sheep because I care for them and I love them. It sounds very familiar to Matthew eleven twenty eight, where we read, we read these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? light we need to preach that a little more in church don't we you know that's that rejuvenates us that's the words of jesus to us so when you're depleted when you're tired you're worn out jehovah rohi second one jehovah rohi when i am threatened when life is threatening when threatened verses four through five even though i walk through the darkest valley the way I learned it, the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That darkest valley, uh, they, they said uh, literally means uh, the shadowiest of shadows. <laughs> it's as dark as it can get as a shadow without being darkness, without being nighttime. And uh, some of you know You've walked through that. Maybe you're walking through it even right now. You're working through a sh- walking through a shadow in life. And it seems to be creeping up on you. And there's more darkness wanting to take you. And, of course, the picture for David is in leading his sheep through these valleys and through these nooks. And over down through the wadi and the valley are all these crags. And there's shadows casting out onto the riverbed. And, and as they have to move closer to the edge of the mountains and the crags, then there's a shadow where you can't see the enemy hiding in those spots. And so there's great fear as you walk through those shadows because death could be waiting in those shadows. Harm could be waiting. Something could take something from you that you love. Could be hiding in those shadows. And David says, even though I do 
walk through those places, I'm going to fear no evil. I'm not going to fear. Why doesn't he fear any evil? Because he fears God. And when I say fear God, I mean that in a reverence way. But, you know, God is kind of like a big, strong father when you're a little kid. You know, he grabs you up in your arms. If anybody picks on you, he takes care of it, that kind of thing, and protects you. But there are times when you're little and you look up at him and you go, he is a scary dude. You know what I'm saying? That God is like all affectionate and at the same time, he's all inspiring. And so there is a certain amount of, of, of healthy fear there. And so I don't have to fear anything in the shadows when I'm walking with the shepherd because I, I know who he is. And so, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Fear no evil. Uh, because why? His rod and his staff, they comfort me. The rod was a stick about this long. It had a bulb on it. I think we've got some pictures up here of it. Uh, that's, yeah, that's the staff. You can see the shepherd. It's a longer staff. is about that long. And there's the staff in his hands, you know. And they would grab the leg of the sheep. There's the staff. But they also had a rod that was a short stick that they could stick into their belt. And it's like the knot of a tree was on one end of it. And it was a weapon. It was a weapon and it is well, it's to fight off the enemy if they came at the sheep. And uh, it was also used, I read, to count the sheep at night. When he was bedding them down, he would take the rod and tap one, one, two, three, four, like that. And also, it was for discipline if some sheep kind of wandered a little. Hey, get back over in line, you know, and uh, get over there. And so David knows the rod and the staff all too well. And he says, you're going you're gonna to protect me in this shadow, in this place that I can't see the outcome. I don't have to fear any evil because your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing to be reminded that it's not the shadow who has the rod. Okay? The shadow, and don't give the shadow your rod, the rod, right? Don't take it away from God and throw it up to the shadow. And say, I fear this shadow more than I fear you, Lord. Don't do that, you know, because part of the peace and the confidence of walking with God and being his sheep is that he protects us. He has the rod. He has the staff. Don't give the the rod to a shadow. Don't attribute more power to a shadow than God Almighty, Jehovah-Rohi, the shepherd. He will guide us. He will direct us. I read this quote, you are safer in a dark shadow with God than anywhere else without him. And you won't know that until you get there and you experience it. And then you see that God is with you at that place. How many of us have friends who have walked through the valley of the shadow of death? Uh, One of our own, Mark McDandel, that... uh, I remember just a year before Mark died, we sat at 65th Avenue in my truck and, and he had had his heart attack and we were talking and I said, Mark, how you doing? He says, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm so good with this. And I said, you're good. He says, I, f- I faced it before, Tim. I almost died. And like, I'm good with this. I said, really? He says, I'm good, believe me. I'm all right. And he was. I had another friend in, in another church I served at that said the same thing in the hospital and he looked at me, and I'd known him since we started the other church, and he looked at me in the hospital, and, you know, I'm all torn up, and he's smiling. <laughs> he's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks, by the way, this whole thing of facing 
that. And so, uh, anyway, and then he says, he, fig- he, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. A table. Well, that's that's kind of kind of stuffing it in the enemy's face, isn't it? Oh, and see you're in the shadows. Yeah, you're around here. Let me show you how safe it is. I'm putting the table up, put the cloth on it, put some food, come on to the table, and all the wolves are, you know, just looking from the sidelines in the shadows. But because God is the good shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, he can prepare a table in the midst of threat. He can find a place of calmness. He can find a place of nourishment in the midst of much threat. And another thing is some of the, some of the uh, theologians believe that when he says prepare a table is that flat section. It was known as a table between the mountain ridges and a flat area and prepares a table for me in the midst of like the, the sheep. He would gather them around at night on this flat plain and the shepherd would lay down in the middle of them because he was there to protect them. He would lay down and he would take out a piece of a handkerchief and he would have in the handkerchief pieces of grass and some food and then he would call the flock around him on that plain where all the enemy could look down and see him and he would feed them by hand, preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Nourishment, peace, protection, Jehovah-Rohi. Jehovah-Rohi. He anoints my head with oil. Oil was used as a medicine. And they would rub it on the scratches or the adder bites where the vipers would bite. Well, a matter of fact, if you look at these shepherds, these old to this day, if you look at these shepherds' hands out in the desert, you'll see knots on their hands. You'll see snake bites on their hands. You'll see where animals and scorpions, different things have bit as they've tried to save their shepherd, the sheep reaching down to grab them, to protect them. And they take that oil and they rub it on the brokenness and they rub it on the burns and the bites that the enemy puts into their lives to try to heal them. And he says, my cup runs over. In other words, I never run out of medicine for my brokenness. There is always enough medicine from Jehovah-Rohi to heal my wounds. My cup overflows. My cup overflows with the goodness of God, even in the midst of a table set in the midst of my enemies. That is our shepherd, our good shepherd. The third feeling is this, Jehovah-Rohi for security. For security. Sixth verse, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, that means show enough. Show enough. Or as my wife says when she really wants to make a point, dang skippy. <laughs> you know what? It's like that's, that's as far as you won't get any more of approval than that. You know, dang skippy. And David brings this psalm to a close saying you can count on this. Surely, sure enough, sure enough, your goodness and love will follow me. Now, do you get this too? Before the shepherd was leading, by the time we got to the second part, he's with them, right? He's alongside them, feeding them. So it's not just leading, it's being with. And now, actually, he's with them too. He comes alongside to walk with them. Surely, you know, and, and the picture in this is just crazy good. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And goodness and love or steadfastness, love, mercy, whatever your version of the Bible says. Before the enemy in the darkness was chasing, trying to get to you, trying to get to the sheep in the valley, 
in the wadi, right? So the shepherd has led the sheep all the way through that danger, all the way through that dry land, through, and have taken care of them all the way to the temple of the Lord, to the presence where the presence of God is. And he has led them into his very presence, into the temple of God, which for David was where he longed to be. He longed to be there where God's presence was. To him, that was the pinnacle of peace, the place where he found, indeed, a place to get away from everything, and he could sense the presence of God. And though the enemy had chased them or was on the edges of the mountains, now he's inside the house of God, and the enemy is looking through the window, and they can't do squat. (laughs) They're just looking through, and there's the table set. And not only that, goodness and mercy, or goodness and love, is now... Chasing David, <laughs> trying to catch him to give him goodness and love. Do you see this? Before it's though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Now I'm, there's something after me in the shadows. I feel it. By the time I get to the temple of God, I turn around and there's two sheepdogs. Goodness and love. Two sheepdogs to guide me right into the very presence of God. I mean, when you go from being chased by an enemy to being followed by goodness and love. Man, what a journey. And that is the good shepherd. All the days of my life, that means it's a promise for us through whatever phase of life we find ourselves in. Man, what a shepherd, huh? What a beautiful picture of God that loves us and cares for us. Unbelievable. So what are the next steps? You've got three things here. And here are some of the things we can do to recognize, to to, uh, activate this recognition that the shepherd is indeed leading our lives. And your first one is this. Choose to acknowledge God is present and active around us right now. Recognize that God is present and active around us right now. In this room right now, the shepherd is moving. You know, it's a flock thing. (laughs) You know, it's a flock thing. The shepherd's moving among the flock even right now. And his rod and his staff is bringing comfort and direction right now and peace. And so recognize, when you look around this room, recognize that God is working and shepherding right now in people's lives. When you, I don't... This has to be kind of cultivated, and and I'll be honest with you, God helped me with this back many years ago as a beautiful gift to me, and that is to be able to recognize the beauty of God wherever you are. Sounds, colors, that's not God, but it's part of God's creation and things that remind me. A baby's cry, every time I had it. I know some people don't like babies. I don't get that. But, uh, <laughs> but when I see a baby, something just goes all over me. I, I just see the creativity of God. I see the love of God. When I hear a baby cry, when you hear those first syllables or whatever that is that comes out of their mouth, you know, it's, it's beautiful stuff. I mean, and you recognize God in the midst of that. If you recognize God shepherding a mom, a dad, a couple into parenthood, if you recognize that at the moment, you can see God at work. If you see a sunrise, when I got captured by a sunrise back here about five years ago, it just snuck up on me. 
And we were staying down the street in between homes, and the, the sun was going down in the middle of the winter time. And I grabbed my phone, like take pictures with my phone, and I ran down the beach. And I was chasing the sun as it was going down, you know, and trying to get that perfect spot. And then all of a sudden, it hit me the orange glow and the, the beauty of God. And it was one of those things that just went right through me. And I'm not that touchy feely, you know. <laughs> but. But I just was depleted to a puddle. I mean, I just, it made me weep. I just saw God's beautiful hand and his, and we, we need to slow down. Slow down enough to see the shepherd at work. He has these joys for us. He wants us to find peace and repose, a place, a respite to come along and pull away. And God is at work as the shepherd around us all the time. Uh, Choose to acknowledge God as present and active around us and choose to consistently gather with church and worship what we just did a while ago. You know, I wish we had the time to go back into that for 15 minutes or so and, uh, and do it again. When we worship together and you look around the room and you see how the shepherd is moving among his people, that is a part of, in, of just energizing yourself to recognize that God is here, that he is leading, that he is feeding us. Through worship. We certainly get a lot more out of worship than he does, I think, than what we give him. He pours it back on us. And so we gather and we worship. That's something that goes on in a, in a gathered assembly that just can't go on that same way by ourselves. Or even with one or two. There's a special thing, a special dynamic when we gather together and we sing and we worship together. And so we want to do that, continue to do that. We are a flock. It's rare you see a shepherd, one sheep, right? Come on, boy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Come on, you know, the poor sheep is like, what's wrong with me? Nobody wants to be around me. <laughs> you know? But it's a flock, the whole flock moving together. It's the joy and seeing how God is doing that. And thirdly, choose to serve people alongside those in God's house. When we go out and we serve together and when we give ourselves away, we actually see the Good Shepherd working through us. When we come alongside the weak and the poor, when we come alongside those who have been rejected and we show love and we care, we are a picture of the Shepherd coming along. And it, it, makes us, it helps us realize His presence in our lives more so. So we serve. We get out of ourselves and and we look outside these walls or we look in the church to one another and we come along one side one another. And just like the presence of God, goodness and love, you know, chasing us in the temple of God, then we become those, we become the goodness and love of God as we chase one another, as we chase those outside of these walls so that they can see just how much God loves and cares for them. There's the first mention of Jehovah-Rohi in the Bible is over in Genesis when Jacob was about to bless his sons. He was dying and he called his sons together and he blessed them and he blessed them with the name Jehovah-Rohi. He said, because God has fed me, Jehovah-Rohi the shepherd has fed me all my life. Now that's the destiny and that's the heritage you have to give away as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Jehovah-Rohi, Shepherd of our soul. Come and move and shepherd through this flock today. I pray your peace right now. Holy One, Good Shepherd Jesus, your peace would come 
that people would be able to unload some of the things that they're carrying that they really don't need to carry this morning. They picked up in the shadows and they, so they can rest. Just kind of symbolically, if you've got some things you want to give to the good shepherd this morning, just take them, like maybe just open your hands out and say, here, God, just this a symbol of, yeah, this is really, this is really slowing me down with you, Lord. I've been working way too hard to carry this. So here, you've come to bring peace. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.